0: Welcome to the Sideline Podcast. Today is Tuesday, March 23rd, and we've got a bracket to break down. But before we get to that, let's talk about how we were lied to about these dominant conferences, namely the Big Ten and the Big 12, Doug.
1: Yeah, we were definitely lied to, and everyone said that the Big Ten, including Ken Palm, would be the best conference in history of college basketball. Bill Walton got it right. He said (laughs) Pac-12 was the conference of champions. He's been saying it for years. Now they have USC, they have Oregon, they have uh, UCLA, Oregon State, and then if you want to count Gonzaga, I count that as half a Pac-12 team. <laughs> They're dominant, and, and it's something that I did not see coming, but when I watch their individual games, which we'll get to, it's not a mistake. They're playing very, very good basketball. They're beating better teams, so I'm all power to them.
2: Yeah, um, I, I, I don't remember which one of you said I, I felt lied to, but I mean like the like did any of us expect the Big Ten to be this bad overall as a conference? Like, there's one Big Ten team in the Sweet 16. Like, I was saying there might be four Big Ten teams in the final four. Like, I feel I, like I, that feel would like be I stupid. was.
1: stupid.
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah, hindsight's 2020. yeah, but I mean, look at the one, ones and two seeds. Like, like there's four, I will, four out of the top eight. Here's
0: what I will say I did not expect, and we have to talk about the Big 12 because no one's talking about the Big 12. They're almost they shorts. Right. But the Big 10. I don't remember who of you guys were with me and no, I did not expect Ohio State to lose to Oral Roberts, but I did say last week that Ohio State and Iowa, it depends on the game, how they're going to play and they were both exposed in the games that they lost respectively. So those two teams losing did not surprise me. Illinois, the well, way right, they wait, played was on, a disaster. Dude, I didn't have to cut you off. Yeah, you can't go ahead. say
2: that Ohio State losing did not like didn't surprise
0: you. It didn't. I said at any game they can lose. losing to a 15 seed is shocking. But them being out of the tournament by the time the Sweet Sixteen happened is not surprising to me. That's a completely different statement. I disagree. <laughs> I disagree with that. I, I I am not surprised that Ohio State is not going to be playing next weekend.
1: But Oral Roberts kind of proved themselves to be actually decent. Like if let's I mean, say Florida went out and blew them out by 30, by 20, whatever. That would just be all right, Ohio State's really not good. But maybe I mean Florida beat a good Virginia tech game in a really good game to start the tournament. And then they lose by three points to so a good Oral Roberts team. Yeah, obviously, they blew they're not that Oral great, Roberts like, game. They're not a bad team, I would say.
2: I mean, you could also argue Ohio State blew the Oral Roberts game too. But Dwayne Washington pro- missed, I think, four shots from the field and two shots from the line in the last yep. x amount of time in the game. So, I mean, I, I'm stunned. I'm stunned. Ohio State's not playing right now. I, I'm actually, I'm stunned.
0: I- Illinois was the only like if if again if we're not doing like if we're just talking in general playing in the Sweet 16. I think Illinois is the only one. I don't think anyone's surprised Maryland is not playing in the Sweet 16. No. Illinois is the only one where I'm truly like, I was speechless watching that game. And it was consistent that Loyal Chicago was the better team that whole game. But we'll go to game breakdowns in, in a minute. Let's let's talk a little bit about the Big 12 because they yeah. too also have underperformed.
1: Oklahoma State's the one. I think if you say Illinois is the team that you thought should get to the Sweet 16 and didn't, Oklahoma State's right there at number 2. Especially their path, they played Liberty, and then they Oregon State beat Tennessee. I get Oregon State's hot, but Oklahoma State was definitely the more talented team, and they just kind of didn't get enough p- offense late to yeah. make it close. And they gave up 80 points to Oregon State. And obviously, Ethan Thompson from from the Beavers is very, very good. They have some other players as well, but if you have the firepower of Cade Cunningham and some of those guards from Oklahoma State. That's more of a surprising loss than I think a lot of the Big Ten losses are.
0: Yeah, and I, I think I can speak for Alec because I know he had them doing well, but the Texas loss on the second day of the <laughs> tournament was wanna, a we disaster. We don't really want to talk
2: about that one. That was brutal.
0: Yeah, it, that was tough. I, I think the, the Texas Tech-Arkansas game, I think the better team won, but I, I was, again, it's it's still surprising to see a Chris Beard coached team yep. out so early in the tournament. Baylor was dominant uh, outside of the first 10 minutes against Hartford. Hartford hung in there for a few minutes, and then <laughs> and then Baylor turned on the Jets. But the Texas one, I think, in the Big 12, at least for me, was shocking. West Virginia, uh, they've been up and down all season, and Huggins hasn't really ever been able to progress past the uh, Elite Eight in his time. So I wasn't expecting them to go super far but losing that early. And Syracuse may be the hottest team in the tournament. Yeah, that, was that, that's that. worth noting, it too. Was,
1: it was not much of West Virginia blowing the game. It was just Buddy Beheim, Syracuse, Dillajai, Jim Beheim, the 2-3 defense that teams this, haven't this seen before. The zone was nuts. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. something that has proven time and time again to be effective in March. So I think the West Virginia loss wasn't
2: too surprising. I would agree with that. I mean, I, I think, like you just said, Syracuse is probably the hottest team in this tournament. I, I the the range of of, of Beheim and I'm gonna like I'm gonna mess his name up I can't remember but the dude with the goatee like the the range they have on that team they're pulling up from the logo from the March Madness oh Joe logo. Gerard? yeah he? yeah yeah Gerard, yeah. Gerard.
0: um I I think uh, I agree uh obviously I think Syracuse's is- I mean, Gonzaga has looked the most unbeatable. Let, let's just let's, let's just go, go through it. it. Um, we're going to start in Gonzaga's region, so we'll work our way backwards, so we can try and talk about as many games as we care to talk about. So the Sweet C- Sweet Sixteen matchup in the top of Gonzaga's uh, region is the Zags versus Creighton. How did they get there? Gonzaga dominated both their games against North uh, Norfolk State and Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma beat Missouri in a very uh, non memorable game, but Creighton's path was incredibly. Uh, interesting. They had that close win against UCSB, and Ohio beat Virginia to play Creighton in in the round of 32. So let's kind of talk about those couple of games, Doug. Of those, what stuck out to you?
1: Creighton is a team that in the Big East final got blown out by Georgetown. They they were a very up and down team, so I didn't know how they would fare coming to the tournament. A lot of the people had the 12 seed Gauchos beating Creighton. I did not. But what I did have was Ohio beating Virginia that yeah. happened Shout out Preston number yeah. zero the guy's a stud and then Ohio moving on to the sweet 16 a little bit short Creighton came back and and really played well so not, I wouldn't say anything really too surprising here um I think both games out of the 5 12 4 13 could have been upsets only one was yeah um
2: but I mean I think I would say the team that's playing best right now Creighton moves on. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was one of the people writing Creighton's death sentence, uh, you know, with all the bad mojo around that yeah. team. But, um, you said that yeah, they survive against UCSB. They come out and just look fantastic against Ohio. But unfortunately for them, they're running into the best team in the tournament. And I don't think there's like, any doubt about it. Right. They're playing well. They have, I mean, they probably have the most talent in the tournament. They're they're really well coached. I just the more the more Gonzaga basketball I watch, which because I didn't watch a ton of it this year, because they just blew everybody out. It's just the more I'm like, I can't believe I didn't pick them to win every bracket. It just doesn't make sense.
1: I It's funny because everyone says, is Oregon State the hottest team? Is it maybe UCLA? Is it Syracuse? I mean, Gonzaga hasn't lost since 2019. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> true. So that's interesting.
0: Um, my only note that you guys didn't say is that Last three tournaments, I won't say last three years, but the last three tournaments, Virginia has lost twice in the first round, and yeah. the other time they won the national championship. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll, 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 take, those been, odds. Yeah, I'll yeah. take that. It's, mean, it's been an up and down. Tell couple that to seasons. a Hoosier fan and see yeah, if they I'll, take They'll that. take that for sure. Um, yeah, Ohio was a very popular thirteen-four matchup pick, a, a general upset pick. Are we expecting anything different from Gonzaga this weekend?
2: No, I think Creighton gets absolutely rolled. I think Karma catches up with them here a little bit. I just think Gonzaga is just a much better team. I would agree with that.
1: I don't think they'll necessarily get rolled. I think it would be probably within the 8 to 12 range, but I think it will be a Gonzaga victory.
0: Uh, I think my most shocking game from this weekend, and check you'll have to check me on that after we get work through all the games, but USC beating Kansas was... Surprising by 30, that's what I mean. Not surprising, Uh, maybe the margin of victory. Yeah, that's that was my the the shockingness was the margin of victory. So we got USC Oregon in the Sweet 16 in the bottom half of this uh, this region, Uh, and I think that's gonna be a phenomenal game. The Bill Walton, oh, yeah, great, great matchup here. How did we get there? Of course, you know, Kansas, a tough matchup against Eastern Washington. Uh, I think people. Uh, a little closer than people thought, USC steamrolled Drake, and then obviously USC steamrolled Kansas. So, Doug, again, we're just going to do a, bi- a, a big talk about episode here. Talk about those couple games.
1: So, I didn't really watch too much of the Kansas game, to be honest, but I watched USC Drake, not surprised. I think Drake was kind of fraudulent. I think even before that was a playing game, and Wichita State, much more fraudulent, probably should have been in but I digress. Uh, USC, Kansas make it to the next round. I had USC winning on the, in this game, um, and winning by 34, like I guess you guys said, surprising. I didn't think it would really be this much of a margin, but I think it was about 15 for most of the second half, and they kind of just stretched it by the end of the game. So it really wasn't 35 the whole game. Um, but USC is very dangerous. They've had two Mobley brothers, both tall guys, both can post up, uh, one can shoot, Isaiah, And then Evan can dribble the ball up and and also post up and the best shot blocker in college basketball right now. And so I think they're a very dangerous team. I know they're going up against Oregon, which is also a very hot team, but I I do like USC a lot.
2: Uh, Yeah. yeah. I I, don't have much more to add than what Doug just said. Uh, Other than the fact that, I mean, Eastern Washington kind of hooped on Kansas. They had the Groves brothers go off for 50, like over 50 combined points. Yeah, Um, I, I don't, I guess hindsight's twenty twenty in that like Kansas was coming off the COVID stuff, and so they run into a, a rested, not rested, but a, like energetic, hyped up USC team that just absolutely exploded on them. Um, that game wasn't wasn't really a thirty point game the whole way, but it was never really close either. Right. Uh, but yeah, I think o- Oregon's playing uh, at a different level right now. The way they just kind of handled Iowa and Garza, um, not that I didn't expect it to happen, I just. I like the way the Ducks are playing right now.
0: Yeah. Uh, the only thing I have to add to that is it kind of echoing Keyes' point. It was like Kansas was a or excuse me, USC was up like 30 to 10. It felt like in, in a heartbeat. And then it kind of just, they kind of paced themselves out for the rest of the game. So it was kind of out of hand from the beginning. I, I. obviously Oregon VCU that game was canceled I still think the better team advanced I think the team that was going to win probably also advanced so condolences to VCU but I think Oregon probably would have gotten that one done anyways uh I'm glad the NCAA was able to handle that smoothly uh to not you know further the the outbreak so we we continue with the tournament but yeah I, I I think the uh the least surprising thing for me in this in this bottom bracket was Oregon beating Iowa, and it wasn't not Oregon being the team that won, but Iowa being the team that lost. I just there was going to be a game, whether it was this one or the next one or the one after that, that or, or that Iowa was just going to be outplayed and out offensed, and they were, and it just happened to be the Ducks. So,
2: well, I mean, the people forget Iowa lost to to the Indiana Hoosiers twice. Right. Anybody in the country can beat that team.
0: Yeah, and somebody did. Uh so we got a matchup of two Pac-12 teams, USC, Oregon, any any way that you're leaning here? Mobley Brothers. Yeah,
1: Mobley Brothers. Yeah. Uh also
0: one last comment on Kansas. Yeah. What
1: yeah, because we didn't really talk too much about them. I think this was just the biggest eh, year for Kansas as uh, a whole.
0: I said last yesterday when we were watching Bill Self losing in the first weekend is a tradition unlike yeah. any other.
1: I just I mean I just didn't think I, I saw them play a decent amount, but I didn't was never very impressed by them mccormick's a very good player but i thought you know browns are like they didn't have a very very put together season in a sense
0: and that covid pause obviously didn't help
1: unfortunately Uh, Uh, but so to answer your question sorry i would uh, take the mobley brothers over oregon by probably about five points
0: okay Keys, you got you gotta pick? You've kind
1: of in uh, the same way. I
2: have not been paying attention to the Pac-12 as much as <laughs> some other viewers or listeners, but like I said before, I, li- I like the way Oregon's playing, and I like uh, a close uh, conference matchup. So uh, I like Oregon to at least cover.
0: I, I like Oregon as well. I think I've, I'll take Dana Altman, and I'll take a coaching different – not that Andy Infield's not yeah, qualified, obviously. but uh, I'll take Altman in a battle of – close matchup teams. We'll just go down the bracket to Michigan's uh Sweet Sixteen matchup playing Florida State. I think a matchup a lot of people had, unless you were high on Colorado, which I know a lot of people were, but Michigan LSU was a great game. Michigan, you know, it started a little slow, but they beat Texas Southern and LSU rolled over the Bonnies. Uh that was a popular, you know, upset nine over eight for people to pick. But Michigan, Florida State should be a great game, a great test really for both teams, to prove if Michigan is truly a, a talented number 1 seed and finally see if Leonard Hamilton and the Seminoles can take that that next step.
1: Did you guys have both of these teams in the Sweet 16? Yes. yes. Yeah, I think I, most people did unless you have LSU over Michigan is what I saw on a lot of brackets. Uh, LSU was a very good team. They kind of got hot towards the end of the season, which helped their case. They were only down 1.5 against Michigan, and they were up in the first half for a lot of it. And then in the second half, Michigan showed why, even without Isaiah Livers, they are the best Big Ten team. And so I, I'm i not too surprised, but I thought LSU might have kept it a little closer. I'm, I'm It was a close game.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would say I'm probably more surprised about Florida State being there, even though I picked them to be there, just because— like I mean, they, I was talking about it with one of our friends the other day. Is that in the Greensboro game, they kind of Florida stated themselves. And what I mean yeah. by that is, like they, they seem to play down to the level of their competition. Like they, again, this is third reference for the Hoosiers, but they play the Hoosers tough early in the year. Like they, they're a four seed, but they have ridiculous talent. Um, they have ridiculous, like yeah, ridiculously hard matchups. They can guard. Um, they play a lot of guys they are always fresh. So it just seems like they should be a little better than they are, and, and so they come out against a hot Colorado team and roll them. So I think if you're Michigan, you're kind of ter- – not terrified, but is a scary Florida State team coming in here.
0: Yeah, I have I picked Florida State to win this game against Michigan. Me too. Um, I also did. Yeah, I, again, a popular upset. A yeah. lot of people don't trust Michigan, especially with Isaiah Livers out. So uh, I, I said from the beginning I think this is the year that Leonard Hamilton takes the next step. And although I do have them losing to Alabama in the Elite Eight, I think it's entirely possible that they could beat whoever they see in the Elite Eight and finally get to a Final Four. Uh, I do. I am with Keys on this one. Florida State's inconsistencies are what has killed them this whole year. If they can put it together for whatever it is, three or four more games, I think they have a legitimate chance to beat anybody in this tournament or anybody they would face.
1: Even even against Colorado, though, they were. It was a twenty-four to twenty game at halftime. It was a very ugly first half. It was almost them playing down to their opponent. I know Colorado. They were missing a ton of threes. McKinley Wright, I believe, he was 0 for four on the game. I think he was like 0 for two at half. Uh, and so Florida State could have extended early, didn't? So I think, like you guys are saying, they had the potential to, but will they put a full game together and not really settle for lower opponents? They're
0: an excellent defensive team. They're going to they have to remember that yeah. identity.
1: They won't necessarily have to settle for lower teams anymore. Playing right. Michigan and better teams in the future too.
0: Um, Keys, you got anything to add from the top half? <laughs> nope. Nope. Feel good? Uh, We'll go bottom half. Uh, I, for one, I picked Michigan State to beat UCLA. So UCLA being in the Sweet 16 is very surprising for me, at least. I'm not shocked by Alabama. Um, I'll start with this one. I'm not going to talk about Texas because uh, I'll leave that to one of our other guys. Uh, I I think... UCLA, obviously beating Abilene Christian is not surprising, even though they just beat Texas. I was more surprised that UCLA handled BYU, and it was only an 11-point victory. It wasn't like it was a smoking, but they played well and consistently that whole game, and that's Mick Cronin basketball for you. Um, Alabama beat Iona, and then they kind of stayed with Maryland in the first half, and I think they were only up like six or eight at halftime, and ended up winning by 19. And it was a thrashing, and they exploded uh, offensively, which is what they've done all season. So to see Alabama play that well in the second half when they needed to is definitely reassuring if you're a if you're a Crimson Tide fan. I think it's going to be a fun matchup. Obviously, Mick Cronin versus Nate Oates is is a great coaching matchup in the Sweet Sixteen. I'm looking forward to that. A little disappointed from the Huskies in the first round against Maryland. I'm kind of all over the place in this one, but uh, did I did say up? I want to touch <laughs> yeah. all the games at some point. I'm, I'm I am leaving Texas alone because I didn't watch a lot of that game. Um, but yeah, the, I thought UConn came out flat. And I always uh, Danny Hurley is the coach of UConn. Bobby's it. ASU, but I, I did expect them to come with a little more swagger. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm excited. I do have Alabama advancing, but I I think this was a great bottom half of the region. I mean it
2: depends on who you talk to, I guess. I mean you touched on Michigan <laughs> State, UCLA. I think I mean I could speak for myself in saying I was stunned when that was a playing game. Um yeah. doubly stunned that there wasn't an assembly hall, but that's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm not that surprised that the eleven beat BYU. I thought whoever won that that. Because that was going to be a dogfight of a game, I think would have a little momentum. Um, Texas turned the ball over twenty-three times. Abilene Christian turned the ball over eleven times. Texas shot better from the floor. Um, was that out, re- out rebounded slightly? But I mean, no excuse for this game. They, they had more talent. They had the better coach. They just they just lost. Mm-hmm. Um, I I definitely didn't see this coming. I know a lot of people didn't see this coming. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the, the Big Ten kind of flexed its strength a little bit with Maryland and we can get to Rutgers in a little bit. But, uh, no, uh, Alabama's is ferociously good. And this Alabama-UCLA matchup is going to be really fun.
1: Yeah, this is going to be a very high-powered offensive game. Uh, Johnny Juzang from UCLA is a player to watch for. Kentucky to, transfer. Yep, going to be probably a first-round pick this year. Uh, he got injured in, was that the BYU game or the Mich- Michigan State game?
2: One of the two games. He hurt his ankle in the Michigan State Michigan game. Michigan
1: State game, like the very end of it. Um, but came back healthy, played well in the BYU game, and then uh, they thrushed Abilene Christian by 20. Alabama, Justin, I know we both have not going in the Final Four. Yeah. They scared me first round. I'll be
0: honest. Well, I mean, Rick Pitino was on the other sideline.
1: I get that, but come (laughs) on. All right, so I have the name value away. They did scare me because they missed some of their shots, and Iona was beating them for a lot of it. And then in the second half, Alabama kind of pulled away. They won by 13. It wasn't really much of a scare towards then, but – I mean, we know how like it, it's just pretty much betting on whether they're going to make threes or not is what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean
0: that goes that goes for a lot of teams we've talked about. Like I, I felt the same way about Iowa. Yeah, um, I, I just, I, I think, and not to discount Rick Pitino, I do want to, I, I want to say one sure. sentence about that, but like. Having a coach with that kind of savvy matters. Even His his team is not as good as Alabama's, talent-wise. I think we all can confidently yeah. say that. But having a guy with Rick Pitino's experience on the sideline during March Madness counts for something. And you saw that for 30 minutes of, of the game in the first round. So that's all I'll say about that. But, Doug, I'm with you. If they're not making shots, they're a completely different team. Nate Oates can fire up his team every once. The shots still have to go in.
1: Yeah. Um, and then... UCLA, Alabama. I have Alabama winning. I do too. Uh,
0: I think. Do we all have Alabama, Florida State?
2: Yeah, uh, I. Uh, I do. I do in my I bracket. Think Michigan, I think with it. I think Michigan's really good. Uh, I think Michigan. Like somebody in the Big Ten's got to be good. I'm gonna throw my throw my weight behind it again and be crushed again. But I'll probably. T- <laughs> I have Florida State in the bracket, but I'll take Michigan.
0: Okay, uh, we'll go back up top. Baylor, Baylor's region. They're good. Uh, yeah. I, mean, yeah, I will yeah, say, you good.
2: mentioned that they that Hartford kept it close. I mean, Baylor probably played their worst <laughs> half of basketball. It was and bad. It was, was up 16-20 at half. Like yeah. That that team's unbelievable. Hartford never really had a shot. Um, Wisconsin kind of played them tight, but again, like Baylor really wasn't tested in that game. Um, they, they, they have a tendency to kind of like – I don't want to say not care because obviously they care about these games, but it just seems like – they can turn it on and off, and sometimes it's not fully on. And now, I mean, they're fully on, or they're not fully on, can still beat pretty much any team in the country. But, it, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they absolutely blew out Villanova, and I wouldn't be surprised if this was a one-possession game. I When you say turn
1: it on, I th- I agree with you, especially on the defensive end. When they turn it up a notch, they force deals, they make guards uncomfortable, they make forwards uncomfortable. And the po- Like, everything that they do is effective defensively. And offensively, I think... They run their plays, and they're pretty much always at 100%, 90% at worst. But the defense can go from, I'll say, like a 90% to a 120%. It can really be the best defensive team in the nation, and it often is. Yeah,
2: I mean, and they knock down threes. They have, I think, four guys or five guys that shoot over 40% from three. They're long, they're athletic, they can handle the ball, they're well-coached. I mean, like, this is—I mean, like, I don't want to be, like, all chalk, but if we end up with a Gonzaga-Baylor final, like, who's going to complain? (laughs) <laughs> we need some good matchup later in the, in the tournament.
0: So, yeah, Baylor did the—we were at the Hartford game, and they, they went on—Baylor went on like a 21 nothing run when the last, like, two minutes of the first half, and that, you know, cemented it. But they did play their probably worst 15 minutes of basketball of the season in that first round. Uh, other matchups that brought us to this— I think people discounted Villanova just because they saw that Gillespie wasn't playing. That's still a really experienced team, and Jay Wright is still on the sideline. Which again, you obviously you know now that I think coaching matters a a whole hell of a lot. Uh, and then they handled North Texas, who did not literally did not miss against Purdue. Um, they Villanova won that game by twenty three, uh, and Winthrop was the sexy pick this weekend or this past weekend. I I don't know why. I mean, having one loss next to your next to your uh, next to your uh, record. Winthrop Winthrop
2: was gambling Twitter's darling. That's why Winthrop. uh, But I think everybody kind of underestimated Robinson Earl and how good how good he is. Like he is unbelievable. He's so good. don't don't doubt Jay Wright. I've been I've been so impressed by the way he's played as a freshman. He's been unreal. I
0: I was wrong on Purdue. Uh yeah. I think a I lot of people that. were. Yep. I had I had them playing against Baylor this upcoming weekend. Yep. The, I had them Sweet beating 16. Baylor. I yeah, I mean it they just were flat out bad. Like really bad.
2: I just I I just will never I, I just can't I don't I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. What? You're you're playing at home. Like they're essentially playing at home. Yeah. And it's, it's, and it's, know, yeah. it's, it's a tournament, it's upset. I know, it's March, pressure. baby. I this mean I love March. oh I love it. As much as I hate it, I love it. I just that, that you're you're Purdue, in this instance that has to sting because you're feeling pretty good about your matchups here. Um, I think
0: that but, was the
1: first Big Ten team to really fall, I believe.
0: Yeah, I can't think of someone who would have lost before Ohio State? them. I might have been Ohio, you mean State, Ohio
1: State. I think Ohio State was before,
2: like the third game but of, it was of the day. Much right there.
0: No, y- yeah. Justin's least surprising game of the tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, you're right about that. <laughs> Still, I can't get over that statement. That game went into overtime. We'll we'll get to. I'll, I'll well, expound. We'll get to that. I, but I do. I think Wisco played their best yes. game of the season Thank against you. North Carolina. Give them some credit. Um, they, I like. I can't remember a game Wisconsin played better than the North Carolina I mean, game. To Buzz, be fair, I think North Carolina played one of their worst games of the season against Wisconsin, Buzz and Cup they lost Brad. a huge uh, player this yesterday that's going in the transfer portal. Buskett Brad Davison. Yeah, well, that guy. I mean, talk yeah, about put up, I think he put up twenty nine points, 29, in the first,
2: five for seven from D. He
0: was a guy, another like Buddy Behan, just couldn't miss in that game. Yep. Just like everything went in. It was like you had a max. I and mean, you at kind of expect of it from ball. Buddy Beheim, but I think yeah. every,
2: like, Buzz Cup Brad's averaging under 10 points a game. And then we got
1: his realistic thing in the next round.
0: Yeah. Uh. Yeah, right. They came back to earth. They started playing Wisconsin basketball again. Uh. Nova Baylor, does, did the Wildcats have any chance? Yes. Yes, but no. no. <laughs> yes, but no. 15%. Um. What do we think margin of victory wise? 5 to 10, 10 to 20? 10 to 12. Ten to twelve.
2: Yeah, Baylor's making 20. shots. They're... Oh my god! It's zero to twenty. Sure, <laughs> it's a uh, zero to thirty-five. It's gonna yeah, be somewhere in that something range, something like that. They're gonna win.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I I agree. I think Villanova's done about as much good as they can. Uh, they've already made it further than a lot of people thought they would. So, good on them. Uh, bottom half of the bracket. We got ta- uh, Arkansas versus Oral Roberts. The the bottom half, a, a lot of people did not have. I think virtually nobody. Hmm. Uh, Arkansas probably not too surprising. I'll talk about the top and then I'll uh, hand it off to you guys for the bottom. But Arkansas beat Colgate. It was a close, a really close first half matchup. Arkansas again, talk about a team that went on a run at halftime. I think they went on like a 17 0 nothing run, and they needed it because yeah. they were they were lifeless. And I think they took a one point lead at halftime. And from that point they it was close in the first couple minutes, then Arkansas really flexed their muscles. Texas Tech handled Utah State in the first round and then that second round matchup was everything we'd thought it'd be and more. Uh yeah. It was up and down, not no team really the big lead was like six points. Uh it was fantastic to watch Chris Beard and uh the Must go back and forth with each other. And like I said at the beginning of the show, I think the better team won. But it, it was a pleasure to watch that game.
1: Yeah, it was Two of the youngest, best coaches in the NCAA, two teams that might, or two coaches that might leave their school, but I don't think either one will. Uh, but one thing, like you said, I, I agree with the fact that the better team won. It was a close game. It was a two point game at halftime. The second half was tied, and Arkansas ended up winning by two. What do you think about must bust antics? And I talked to my roommates about it. Like jumping this. up
0: on the thing? It's I a, love it, and I you see, probably hate it. I hate it. Yeah, what did we talk about last week? You fun, guy. Juwan Juwan Howard. Howard. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah. It's about he's the a players. stickler for the rules. It's
1: about the player, he didn't shake the other coaches. He doesn't shake Chris Beard's hand right after. He jumps on the table without his players and celebrates by himself with the crowd. Uh, well, he did. Ju- guy. He
0: did jump in with his players after, and then well, I think it was before, before but
1: like for but a split second. Either
0: way. that's who eric musselman is he he was he pointed to the crowd i was probably pointing to his family who was up there too but like that that's just the kind of guy is and i if eric musselman did that on the sidelines of assembly hall i think he'd have the entire state of indiana in his pocket so i just i i'm all for that kind of stuff as long as he's not being an asshole which he's not he's just fired up they beat a really good team i'm just a no fun guy that's fine (laughs)
1: That is all right with me. He won May. the game, so I guess he's okay with it. I, it's all power to him. Like, he, like I said, Arkansas played better. I have Arkansas going to my Elite Eight, so I'm happy about it. It was just, I don't know. I'm a no-fun guy. <laughs> <laughs> that one stuck with me.
0: <laughs> um, loosen geez. up, Dougie. Loosen up. What, uh, what went wrong in the bottom of our bracket? What what went wrong? What went I mean, wrong? Like, like, slash, I guess, what went right for Oral Roberts?
2: I mean, Oral Roberts is one of... I think they're a top two, if not the best free throw shooting team in the country. Um, so you know, if it, it was going to come down to making clutch free throws, they were going to have the ability to do that. They have the leading scorer in the country, and
0: Max Asmus. Yeah, I was. I, I think, think I said that. Asmus.
2: acemus. Yeah.
0: The B is silent. Yeah. Though.
2: And then O'Banner too is is really good at the forward spot. Um, but I, Ohio State missed shots. Like Ohio State didn't come to play. Uh, like as simple as that. Like I think if Ohio State. Plays half as good as it did in the in, in the Big Ten championship game against Illinois, then then, then it wins this game. Uh, I it, this this was just the begin this was the beginning of the Big Ten's problem yeah. with this tournament but like this is an inexcusable loss for ohio state in the conference it's just as good as this oral roberts team is and as fun as they are to watch that's just they they shouldn't be still playing basketball like ohio state should have taken care of them
0: dwayne washington was a disaster in you, the you last feel kind of bad for him game. but I he had
2: six six opportunities to put the ball in the basket yeah at well, least
0: he decided it was going to be him and no one else that would win or lose this game and well he, he was can you fault
2: him though he took open every yeah. shot he took was open yeah I mean, and the one shot he didn't take, little berry to three, right? I, 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 I mean, they, no excuses, but I mean, they, I mean, Florida lost. I mean, Florida, Ohio State lost this game, and yeah. that was. a – I mean, I was, I, I, I can't believe. I, I'm the only one who's. I can't believe Ohio State. Well, like, oh, it it's stunned. It's stunned. I guess it happened
0: sure. four days ago, but it, it is. It was a stunning loss. Um, I, you know, I, I don't have like a if, lot this, more to if this if this Ohio State
2: is. team wins the Big Ten tournament then they're they're on the one line right and now they're out of the tournament to a 15 seed
0: yeah i mean it is it is great i guess you know you take a step back and it's a two seed losing to a 15 right. seed, and like that's a huge there's deal. one point
2: where we like ohio state was top four in the country for a while this year like we thought yeah. they were going to like contend for a championship i also yeah. want to make the argument that it's been four days now
1: so i think some of that shock has worn off and now we're kind of onto bigger upsets in a sense of 11 and the bottom right region which we'll get to right. being chaos so i think that like sure, the first since it was so early, it was crazy when it happened, but I think now looking back on it, it's like, oh, well, that was just one of the many of this tournament,
2: yeah. I think th- because it happened in the second or third game of the tournament, and because Oral Roberts has proven to be a pretty decent team in the next pe- game, yeah, people have kind of not not, short for- not forgotten, but like it's lost the sting a little bit. I, I think when people come back and look at this bracket and look at what the, that Ohio State team was to college basketball in the Big Ten this year. I, I think people are going to be more stunned than they realize.
0: I mean, just looking at the numbers, I mean, we've watched this Hoosier basketball team enough this year to know that numbers matter, especially in the three point line and the free throw line. Ohio State missed 50% of their free throws yep. and only made 21% of their threes. Uh, missed a lot late, Oral, too. Yeah, Oral Roberts made seventy, almost 78% of their free throws and made 32 one percent of their threes. So like that's a huge difference. Uh and you know, there there's three point you can find three points right there somewhere. So
1: double the three point makes too. So like they're shooting better
2: and more and making more. Uh yeah, but honestly a- yeah. arguably the, the most fun game of the tournament was the first game of the tournament yeah. between Florida and yeah, Virginia Tech. It was I mean I talk about having March Madness withdrawal and the first game we get goes into overtime because Virginia Tech's guard comes down and, and pulls up in a dude's face and splashes a three to send it to overtime. Like it it was like like, just be like to, to just be like oh it's March Madness and oh now we're we're officially back like here it is bang yeah. man it was like you couldn't have asked for a better start
0: yeah I I was yeah you know, I don't have anything more to say about that game but uh Flo, Flo, I thought the I thought Florida was the better team even though that game went back and forth all day I think again I've said it a lot today but I think the better team did win that game uh, Florida should have beaten Oral Roberts they did not close they were they were up I think by twelve or thirteen with. Only a few minutes left in the second half of the Oral Roberts game, and, you know, it's a combination of Oral Roberts turning on the Jets and Florida choking it away, but Florida had that game in the bag, so that that was shocking. And for, I mean, if you just look at the bracket, Florida had a cakewalk to the Sweet 16 and blew it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not too, too surprised, I guess. Like, this is kind of the same thing that happened probably 10 years ago now with Florida Gulf Coast. Like, they kind of looked good in their first game, better than Oral Roberts did in theirs, but... When they beat, I think it was Florida, actually. In the, yeah, it was. It in the, was. The yeah, round of 32. Like, oh well, I'm Florida wasn't really a great 7 seed for me, so it's like, oh well, this so it's surprising but not shocking, I would
2: say. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, uh, just to kind of close out that game, you we talk about free throws. Oral Roberts shot 23 free throws in that game. Florida shot nine. Yeah. When the game slows down for Oral Roberts, they get to the line and they make their shots.
0: Right. Um, also, Arkansas
2: to answer your question yes okay I mean <laughs> great good, good I'm job, not here Josh. oh I, don't get it twisted I'm not here advocating for Oral Roberts over Arkansas I think some somebody's gonna not put this Oral Roberts team in its place because that's a really disrespectful way to talk about how good they are but Arkansas is the more talented somebody's gonna realize they're the more talented team and just like play
0: like it yeah I, I also have Arkansas um, so we'll move it down Illinois uh, Illinois former region uh, just a thrashing against Drexel, not surprising. And Loyola Chicago, excuse me, Loyola Chicago handled Georgia Tech in the first round without the ACC player of the year, uh, Moses Wright. So that was, I think a lot of people switched their pick from Georgia Tech once they found out that he had COVID and was not going to be playing. But, uh, yeah, I uh, I was surprised. I I didn't know a lot about this Loyola Chicago team. I'll put my hand up. But the pundits said that they were underseeded i think i said that right they should have been a higher seed yep. uh mm-hmm. they were undervalued so not a super surprise and so unfair to illinois to see loyal chicago as an eight seed in the second round is what a lot of people were saying but Boo-hoo. to be fair to loyal chicago illinois just did not play good slash loyal uh, chicago just outplayed them
2: well, i mean I like to talk about hindsight being twenty twenty. And if you would have told me that after the first offensive set of the game for Illinois, the game would have been over, I would have laughed at you. And then I watched the first offensive set, and Io comes off a left ball screen, and Crutwig hedges, and they double off the high ball screen, and it just looked like Io had never seen it before, and he didn't know what to do. And, and they just Illinois did the same thing the entire game. I mean, Louisville, Chicago. I will say, as I was at that game, and just seeing their defensive intensity in person from the from the tip was so impressive. They were not going to be outworked. They're oddly long and athletic. Um, they match up really well defensively with a team like Illinois, which was surprising. Um, and they just tried their whole. I mean, they they were trying so hard. You could feel it. um and they just fed off the crowd. It was unbelievable. But I mean, if you're an Illinois fan, I you can look at your players all you want, but I mean Brad Underwood has to be taking the majority of the blame for this. I, I can't I cannot tell you how many times I watched them try and run a high ball screen where Loyola would just come up and double the double the ball handler and it'd be it'd be Io either passing making a terrible pass for a turnover or Cabello, um, you know, trying to dribble out of it and and, and twisting and turning and you know, he was kind of making things happen, but like to 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 watch Illinois consistently run the high ball screen, bring it, bring the hedging defender over, and walk their guy into a double the entire game was mind boggling. So, pretty much what you
1: what you're saying is Loyola outplayed Illinois, even though they were eight one. They w- looked like the better team, and obviously, from the jump, they looked like Illinois the better team. has the better players potentially, one on one at least, and then you just couldn't put those in position to make a play as a team also I think it definitely hurts that Trent Frazier who's usually a good three point shooter went 0 for 5 from deep 1 for 10 from the field Io did not have a good game Kofi had a good game by the numbers I was really so
2: impressed with Kofi Coburn I mean Uh,
1: he's had so many better games I think this was a game that he really didn't impact the game at least it wasn't close enough for him to impact the game like we've seen before
2: I would I would be placing uh, I mean, if we're placing blame here, I think i o deserves some. Obviously, I think Trent deserves some. But I think majority of the blame goes on Underwood. I, I thought the offensive yeah, set was. Was the offensive scheme was terrible? The off, flat out, flat out terrible. But also,
1: you give Loyola credit. Brandon oh my Norris, God, the defensive yeah, scheme was, it's not was as phenomenal. phenomenal. They were bad. It was more Loyola just. I mean, Loyola was
2: just better. I mean, Loyola uh, uh, Porter Moser, and I can't believe this is the first time we're gonna mention him, mention his name. But he uh, he outcoached Underwood. It wasn't even close. Yeah. He was he was the better coach in the floor. This offensive scheme was better. The defensive scheme was better. His players were more ready to play. Um, his his guys believed in what he was saying more. It just I, I, I can't even I I can't explain it other than that like it, it was just like I, I, if you took the seeds away I would have told you Loyola Chicago was the one by the way they played it was nuts.
0: They do also have Sister Jean. Boo.
2: Um, Sister meme. <laughs> uh bottom half. Uh, well, I I one 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 last yeah, thing yeah, about yeah, please. um Loyola Chicago before we we move on to the bottom is it half about is, Sister Jean. No, it is not about <laughs> Sister Jean, but um, kind of surprisingly. Uh, they have shot up to the third highest yes. championship yes. odds behind Gonzaga and yeah. Baylor, so something to keep an eye on.
0: Uh, I the bottom half of this, top half. Oregon State beating Tennessee it was not, I, at least for me, not surprising at all. I didn't watch yep. one second of Oregon State basketball this year, but I know who Rick Barnes is a coach, and that guy is a choker. There was no way Tennessee was ever going to win that game, and they got throttled. Again, Oregon State, one of the hottest teams coming into the tournament off of the Pac-12 championship, but not surprising at all. I think what was surprising to me was how they dominated Oklahoma State uh, pretty much throughout the whole game in the round of 32, Cade Cunningham the pretty much consensus number 1 draft pick for next uh, he next draft. Anybody uh, who tells you the difference is a chump. <laughs> uh, 10 point win against one of Oklahoma State was like the most popular not number 1 seed pick to win the tournament. I yeah. guess not one through not one or two seed to win the tournament. Uh, and they just – I mean, they lost by 10, but they got steamrolled. Yeah. Oregon State was a better team throughout the throughout the whole game.
2: I mean, I, I don't think I'm breaking anybody's head by saying they lost this game in the first quarter, but, or I mean in the first first quarter, geez, in the first half. But, um, I mean, Ethan Thompson goes out, and, like, Oregon State just kind of picks up the pace. Like, their leading scorer goes to the bench with two fouls early, and, like, the, enti- the entire rest of the team just stepped up. Uh, I, I don't think – anyone was expecting that type of offensive performance when if it wasn't going to be driven by Thompson. So, I mean, you need unti- you need timely performances when, when the tournament rolls around and, and Oregon State got a huge, huge first half. Also, yeah, they took the lead in the first half. They were up 14 going into halftime.
1: But then free throws to close it out, uh, Ethan Thompson and Jared Lucas combined were 22 of 23, and a lot of those came within the last couple of minutes. So, Oklahoma State, they had like six points and seven seconds at one point in the second half, but really couldn't get going because of the the Beavers making their free throws. Mm-hmm.
2: And then when it, like, when it came down to it and everybody expected Cunningham to take over the game, it was Thompson who was putting his stamp on it at the end. Yep.
0: All right, let's talk a little bit about the bottom half, maybe the – the anti-hero of the tournament so far, <laughs> Buddy Beheim and Syracuse playing Kelvin Sampson's Houston team in the Sweet 16.
2: We were robbed of a Rutgers Syracuse matchup. Yeah,
0: I. I so I, I'm going to skip all the first round matchups. I know Rutgers beat Clemson. It was their first tournament forever and their first win in like almost 40 years. And congratulations to Rutgers. They deserve it. Uh, they they had a great season. Average but I wanna program. I want to talk about <laughs> the Rutgers Houston game because Rutgers had every opportunity to win that game. Yep. And Houston, uh, for Houston was injured. He played the whole game, but he was clearly in pain. I, uh, I, I think <laughs> this is going to piss Rutgers fans off, but they blew that game. I think they Rutgers should yeah, be Rutgers playing in the Sweet Sixteen.
2: Definitely feels like they blew the game. I don't remember who fouled out. Um, with I, th- I think it was about a minute and a half left or, or whatever, where the momentum really started to swing. But I mean, that game was there for the taking for Rutgers. If you were expected Rutgers to win that game, like I did. You saw it being an ugly game, low scoring, muck it up, play dirty— de- not dirty defense, but like play physical defense—and kind of make clutch shots when it happened. And like going down to the wire, that like Rutgers was leading, they had yeah. the game in their hands, and Houston—not that I'm not to say Houston wanted it more because that's like in a do-or-die situation, everybody wants it—but it just like Houston's killer instinct took over, and they were the more calm team in the clutch. they were the more composed team in the clutch, and they ultimately ended up edging it out. 58-49 was a score with under five minutes remaining, and Rutgers
1: had the ball at that point, too, and like you said, they just kind of blew it, and I think you said you, Rutgers fans aren't going to want to hear that. They know that. I mean, this was a winnable game. Houston, by the way, is the most, besides Quentin Grimes, I like him, Calvin Sampson can blank off. Yeah, well, he's uh, probably the most, I the
0: people <laughs> said he's the most unlikable guy in college basketball.
1: Yeah, I mean, former IU guy, of course, but... Yeah. I just think they're a very bland team. I mean, if they're getting, like, I get Rutgers is good, but they're not great yeah. per se. So I, I think Houston. I know I'm kind of jumping the gun here a little bit, but Houston, I don't see moving up.
2: Yeah. I. Oh, sorry, Justin. No, please. please. I was going to say, like I, like I said before, I had Rutgers going over Houston in this game. I'm absolutely taking Syracuse over yeah. Houston in in the next game, especially if Jerome is hurt. So, um,
0: yeah. That well, though. So we'll we'll talk about that game. But West Virginia Syracuse was another great one. Buddy Bayheim was nowhere to be found in the first half, and then exploded for like twenty two points in the Just second in time. half. Couldn't miss. Uh, G- Jim Beheim is is electric. Uh, I said last week on the show when I picked my bracket, and by the way, I completely changed it around. But uh, I blindly picked Syracuse in the in the first round against SDSU. Uh, and I should have blindly picked them to go further. I I didn't realize how electric this team was, uh, and I too am going to pick Syracuse to beat Houston, uh, and I think pretty handily. I was surprised. I, I I root for Huggy Bear pretty much every time he his team yep. plays on the his team is on the court, uh, and I was sad not to see him play in the. Um, in the uh, Sweet 16, but we got a classic Big East matchup between Syracuse and West Virginia, and that, w- that was good enough for me. Uh, so to get to see, I think I think Syracuse was the better team and has been the better team, at least in the last couple weeks. So to see them move on and play against Houston this week, I think Syracuse, uh, running them out of the gym sounds bad, but I think they're going to blow them away offensively. Houston, I, I, I'm talking about.
1: I would agree. Yeah. And I also, I think just as much as their offense their defense has carried them just yeah. as far so i mean you see the memes on twitter where there's like 12 different syracuse guys in the zone when there's actually five it's because that's what it looks like when they're tall lengthy guys and they've been planked the whole time like we talked about like i just don't think that houston wins this game at all
0: jim Beheim has been running this zone defense since the carter administration <laughs> and people have yet to figure it out if they don't go up against it twice a year. By the
1: way, that guy stinks. Yeah. <laughs> not, not Carter, but... Yeah. Bayheim.
0: Yeah. Well, people forget he ran over a person. Yeah. Um, I have Syracuse, Loyola, Chicago, and I really don't care who wins that game because I think it's going to be fun, and I'd love to see either of those teams in the Final Four. Do yeah, I have a disagreement?
2: No. No,
0: no. Okay. Um. Know. Again, Oregon State's hot. I could see them beating Loyola Chicago, but I think Loyola Chicago is the better team. Yeah. If
2: Loyola Chicago plays like they just played against Illinois, I don't know who's going to beat them.
0: Yeah, I. I mean, that's fair. I mean, and you know, a lot of people have a lot of people have Baylor coming out of the top, so that would have a Loyola Chicago Baylor Final Four, which would be a ton of fun. Uh, that's it for the tournament. Do Do you want to pick Final Fours based off of the bracket we have now?
1: Sure, I'll keep my four. I'll have Gonzaga, Baylor, Alabama, and then I'll just replace with Loyola.
0: Okay. Um, I I have Zags, Bama, and Arkansas still, so I'll keep those three, and then I will... I had Illinois. I will take Syracuse. Uh,
2: I will go Michigan, because somebody's got to play well from this (laughs) fucking conference. Uh, The Zags, I'll take um baylor because i just think they're the most talented team from that region and i, I just I, in, in a shootout i think they can keep up with an arkansas who likes to run um and like doug was talking about their defensive intensity i just think they're gonna be really tough to beat uh and i like Loyola chicago to kind of stifle the syracuse team um camp crutwig's uh, unbelievable and i think they'll, they'll be able to scheme up porter moser will be able to scheme for the zone um so i'm i'm very excited slash intrigued for a potential Iowa Chicago Baylor Final Four matchup
0: as as, as for mentioned. Good news is we'll be able to talk about the Final Four next episode. Uh, before we get into segments, let's briefly talk about what has happened in the last seven days in the Indiana coaching search. First couple days were quiet, just a lot of rumors and conjecture. On again, Friday was also rumors and conjecture, but there was some like. Before he announced for the third time that he wasn't coming, Twitter was going insane about Brad Stevens, oh, and there say, were like I mean, links everywhere. I'll say that.
2: The, dam, the, 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 the Damashek thing was actually unbelievable. For people who don't know who Damashek is, like he, he's friends with Bill Simmons. That was absolutely just if you don't know who Bill Simmons is, you live under a rock, but he's a diehard Celtics fan. Brad Stevens, if you also live under a rock, is the coach of the Celtics. It was one of Simmons's friends tweeting something about about Stevens. To piss off Simmons, he, there's no way he had inside information on that. There's just no way.
0: One more note on Brad Stevens, and I won't give up hope on Brad Stevens until Indiana hires somebody else. Please, but do. Uh, the Celtics are one and four since Archie Miller has been fired. <laughs> so put that in the tickler file. Nope. Uh Yesterday was the real, the real weird thing. So we got a report that Thad Matta was Thad Matta signed a contract. Thad Matta, the former coach of Ohio State, signed a contract. To coach the Indiana Hoosiers and then failed his physical, which is, I think, a fear that a lot of IU fans had if Thad Matta was going to be the coach, that he wasn't going to be healthy enough for the long run. He's only 53 years old, but he's had heart problems, which is partly the reason he retired at Ohio State. And then about 30 minutes later, the Indy Star reported that all of that was false, that Thad Matta. A, never failed a physical, and B, didn't even sign a contract in the first place. So I don't know if that was a smokescreen from Scott Dolson, the athletic department, or letting something out that they shouldn't have from the athletic department, or just bad journalism from the people at the Indy Star. I don't. It could have been a, com- a combination now, of all saw. of it. Uh, Who bro- Was it Stadium that rivals, broke it? Rivals. rivals. Yeah. Um, uh, I make sure think, we
2: get that right. <laughs> yeah. I think we, we're—, we're I think what we already know and then what we're kind of also learning is that Dolson, like he's said multiple times and like people have reported, is going to take his time. Um, I think if he's really kicking the tires on all these coaches, then he can only do his due diligence and wait till the tournament's over because you can't ask a coach like Scott Drew or Eric Musselman, and I know I think Musselman may have removed his name from the job, um, but you can't ask a coach like Scott Drew – if he wants to come coach your team when he's in the middle of a national championship run. So I e- even, even if you think he's going to say no, even if you think there's a hundred percent chance he stays at Baylor, you still have to ask him. And so I can see why they'd wait. So m- my thinking is that they have a guy and they're just waiting on potentially asking one of these tournament coaches um, or there's an absolute dumpster fire going on. But what, what I think what we've learned is that nobody really knows anything. No. And that's why I almost didn't want to do this just because Everyone's
1: saying different stuff, and 95% of it is just speculation. We it's all don't garbage. Know. It's just all names. It's what you want, what fans want. And then until like Scott Dolson speaks again, he says he's not going to speak again until he has until a head coach. So we have a head coach. A head coach. Right. Just let him do his work. And obviously, we want the right guy, so does he. Just sit back and relax for one second. Just watch college basketball without worrying about Indiana.
2: Yeah, I know, and it's kind of tough when you have like last week we had uh, Aljamain Durham enter the transfer portal. I know we all saw that coming today. Yeah, um, earlier today, Armand Franklin uh, is reportedly kicking the tires in the transfer portal. His family came out today uh, later and said that they're they're just trying to to see what the best options are, and that by, doesn't mean that he's he's committed to leaving. Yep. Um, but he is listening to other offers. So I know that's something that can kind of cause panic in fans and maybe be like, all right, we need to hire a coach soon. So these kids stop leaving. But uh, I think we, in, until Scott Dolson steers us wrong, I think we need to trust his process and he's been nothing but honest with us. He said yep. they, they have a short list. There's a couple guys they want to ask about. They're going to take as much time as they need. And he's going to talk to us when we have a coach. And I think we take him at his word.
0: All right. Well, we'll take, we'll take you at your word about that. Yeah. Armand Franklin, his mom is heavily involved in what he does on and off the court. Uh, and they did say they, they Al or arm, excuse me, Armand entered the transfer transfer portal this morning, but has said it's, it's exploratory. Um, he could well return back to, uh, IU next season. Um, with that, we'll, we'll move to segments. Um, We'll, we'll, eventually, we'll start talking about the NFL, but we, we can't right now because there's too much basketball going on. Uh, Doug, let me have you start for good week, bad week.
1: So, there'll be a little bit of a theme with my good week, or with my segments in, in general. But my good week will be uh, from the University of Iowa, not on the men's side, but the woman's side. Caitlin Clark dominating her first two rounds. Her second game is going on right now. I was up early. She has 26 points at halftime. And uh, against Central Michigan in their first round, finished with 23. And she's incredible to watch. She's a freshman, so give her a shout-out. Bad week is the referees in women's college basketball. If you saw this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The 15-seed Troy Trojans got robbed, is simply how I could put it, against an upset against Texas A&M. The two-seed, and pretty much what happened, without being too complicated, is there is a backcourt violation that was not called that should have been called, it would have been Troy Ball, and they pretty much would have won the game instead. Texas A M wins by four,
2: moves on.
0: Okay, Alec. Uh,
2: good week. Uh, you said I think you said this last week, but I mean, at least I personally have two fantasy baseball drafts this week, which means <laughs> oh yeah, baseball season starts next week or soon after. I believe april 1st is opening day yeah um guys i mean starters are playing deeper into spring training games rosters are are being finalized uh we're here baseball season is here um bad week to be the celtics uh yeah i have to listen to i have to listen to a week's week and a half's worth of brad stevens rumors and on top of that we can't win um so that hasn't been a ton of fun um and also a terrible week for the big 10 uh like we just kind of hammered on um I think there was a lot of optimism about this year potentially being the first year where the conference can see a winner in a really long time. Um, I think there was a high not I think I know there was a high expectation for the conference and to come out of the first weekend with just one team left is
0: not good to (laughs) to put it lightly. Um, My good week bad week or my good week is uh, the state of Indiana. Uh, The tournament has gone extremely well. People are falling in love with Hinkle fieldhouse where the uh where the Butler Bulldogs play and uh I think for as a, speaking as a person who went to one game uh I was pleased with how everything looked it looks great on TV it looks great in person so I think the uh, kudos to the the state of Indiana they've run an excellent tournament so far also I can't go a show without saying uh good week for the Indiana women's basketball team they oh, they won their first, uh, first round matchup by 30 against VCU yesterday. It was a defensive clinic, and that's you know that's kind of shelving the offense because they were fantastic too. But Indiana gets to play Belmont uh, tomorrow in the second round matchup because Belmont upset the Zags. So it'll be a four seed Indiana versus 12 seed Belmont. I'm I'm looking forward to that. All Grace I... Berger, my my fake cousin Grace Berger had a phenomenal game yesterday.
1: Yeah, I wrote an article on her. Uh... <laughs> Uh, I that was my wild sports, so I'll just kind of yeah pile yeah go on ahead here. piggyback. Um, it was the lowest amount of points a Big Ten team has allowed in the NCAA tournament ever, thirty two points. Yeah. So it was a big big deal for that. Uh, VCU scored three points in the final ten minutes, and it was a dominant IU victory. They they lost their last game in the the first round or their first round of the Big Ten tournament, so this was a
2: big turnaround win. Yeah. It was nice to be reminded that we actually go to a basketball school.
0: Exactly. Um, And my bad week is really a bad year for any pitcher who has to pitch against Ronald Acuna this year. Uh, He has four home runs in six at bat, or excuse me, four home runs uh, account for six of his hits in spring. Uh, The Braves offense is firing on all cylinders. I fully expect them to repeat, not repeat, four-peat as NL East champions. And this time, get back to the World Series for the first time since 1999. Uh, my why I love sports this week. Uh, Jeff Goodman, you may or may not know him. He is a, a writer for Stadium, uh, which is a, a sports journalism website. And he is a prominent voice on Twitter in the world of college basketball. He does a lot of Midwest reporting, too. Uh, Indiana fans hate him. And why I love sports this week is watching Indiana fans dunk on him on Twitter. Uh, that has been fun to watch this week. He has been uh, heavily involved in the reporting around the Indiana coaching search. Yesterday was, uh, it was it was a it was a good joke on him. He took a picture with Thad Matta at the uh, whatever game they were at. I think it was at Hinkle, but he. He was like, hey, look look who I'm with, Indiana fans. And it was Thad Matta. Thad Matta was also wearing sandals. It was a great look for him. But I do love seeing fans on Twitter kind of have their way with a guy. Keys?
2: Love that. Um, first one's kind of a cop-out, obviously. But I talked last week about having March Madness withdrawals. We go almost two years without having a tournament. So just having uh, this first weekend of basketball and just obviously, I mean, the Madness was in full effect. Um, just, it's just—it's just like you, you take it for granted when when it happens every year, and when it wasn't there, you you just love it even more. And so the fact that it's been just an unreal tournament in terms of games, in terms of upsets, in terms of you know individual plays and and performances—it you can't ask for much more than this. And then also like just casually, uh, th- there's a heavyweight title fight on Saturday night. Oh yeah. Steve Amy Otrich is defending his title against Francis Ngannou for the second time. If you don't know who either of those two gentlemen are, get on Google and figure it out. Um, They regard the heavyweight, or they used to regard the heavyweight boxing title as the baddest man on the planet, but I would argue it's the UFC champion, the UFC heavyweight champion. Um, So this is a loaded card um, capped off with the UFC heavyweight title fight, which does not come very often. So my eyes will be on that screen.
0: All right. We'll talk about that next week. That's going to do it for us today. Be sure to tune in next time. We'll talk more about uh, March Madness, maybe even talk a little NFL free agency. And by that time, we'll be about a day away from baseball. We will see you guys next week. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the Sideline Pod.
2: I was walking down the street when out the corner of my eye I saw a pretty little thing approaching me. She said, "I never seen a man
1: who looks so